Hey, this is Steve Balton. You're here on My Turning Point with special guest Ben Bridwell from the band Band of Horses. We have a really fun conversation today that touches as much on Georgia football, Atlanta Braves baseball, as it does on the band's superb new album. But as you find in this conversation, it all ties together for Ben. So if you're a sports fan or Band of Horses fan, uh, you'll really enjoy this one. I'm sure you've been friends with the Killers for many years or known them for years. And, you know, I was talking about it with them when they were doing... I was doing a Zoom with uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon and Ronnie. And, you know, we talked about the fact that the last interview we had done was in person. And now, of course, it was Zoom. And Ronnie's like, yeah, dude, we're not going back. He's like, I'm not wearing pants. I'm sure you're not wearing pants. Like, you know. Yeah, but in all seriousness, it's like... About this. <laughs> what's that? I just got out of the shower about this. <laughs> like, I, I like, I go get dressed up for a Zoom. <laughs> Well, he was wearing pants, and actually, you're good because I just got out of the shower as well. But uh, yeah, it's interesting, dude. I mean, it's you know. Well, let's put your perspective on it. How do you feel about it? Like, are, are you a fan of this modern world, or are you? Do you Shit, miss no. the old school walking into a room and shaking hands with someone? I don't miss that either. But I also, uh, I miss the idea of a phoner. Like if you and I were to be talking before, I kind of like the phoner idea. This whole like shit, man. I've been crying this morning. Like I don't want to like get on camera at all, ever. Actually, ever. No matter what promo shit we're doing. Not this promo shit, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. my honest answer is like, no, I don't, I don't care for the video calls. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I interview a lot of older artists as well who just do audio <laughs> only. And of course, you can always do that as well because, you know, I feel like now, look, dude, like I'm interviewing Bob Weir tomorrow. No one's making Bob Weir get on a fucking camera. I just interviewed yeah, John Bobby. Mellencamp. Trust me, John Mellencamp is not getting on camera. So, you know, there is precedent yeah. to be like, nah, fuck that, dude. I got to tell you, dude, I, I actually like, I won't even look at the camera. I use it like a telephone still. You'll, you'll see, like... I still use it like a telephone. Like I want to pull it closer to when I want to hear you and, and push it away when I'm talking. I'm not really looking at the picture. Well, since we're running a couple minutes late because of my fuck up and I just looked, it was totally on me. The grandstand no, people has always nailed it. And I fucked up the time. Let's jump in because, you know, we're yeah. going to be a little short on time. But dude, congratulations yeah, on the record. I mean, thank you. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful record and... <laughs> You know, it, it's, I mean, it's an interesting album title for these very interesting times. So was this yeah. trying to, it's funny, I go back to right years ago, right, interviewing Nick Cave, who's one of my favorite writers of all time. <laughs> and Nick Cave said something very interesting. He talked about the fact that as an artist, you're always writing what it is you're searching for. So, oh my God. Were you, do you feel like things are great or was this trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy? My friend, it, it would be very hard to ever follow up a Nick Cave quote. <laughs> I can tell you, I, I only wrote about what I was going through, and I, I felt liberated by that the task of telling it the way I saw it and not being hampered by um, industry norms or expectations of anyone else but myself. I'll smoke a cigarette to that. <laughs> So it's interesting. I talk about this with writers all the time because good writing is subconscious and it leads you in a certain direction. So where there's songs early on, 
that sort of shaped this record that really inspired you for the rec- for this sound? Okay. Well, hmm. It's tough now because I see them as a whole group of, you know, of little babies or whatever. And now they're all like siblings. So it's kind of hard to look at them separately. But if I were to, I'd say that um, working with Wolfie, uh, Wolfgang Zimmerman, down here in South Carolina, the songs that I worked on with him, like in his storage shed, uh, that shaped just the feeling and the vibe. And I think everything kind of fell into place afterwards, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting, though, when you go back to it, then, as you say, you look uh, that, you know, everything is a whole. Is there like, are there things that emerge in the shape in the record that surprise you? Are there are there sort of things that, um, you know, again, going back to writing, being subconscious? Of course. Are there themes that emerged in the record that kind of surprised you? It's funny that you catch me on this day because I was able to reflect and take a listen to what the fuck happened, honestly. And um, what what surprises me is the vulnerability um, and speaking like my true self and not being like, I don't know, um, you know, whistleblown every time I say a cuss word or talking like the way I talk. And I think that's really important about this record. Well, it's interesting. Are there specific songs on there where you see that vulnerability and it kind of surprises you? Yeah. Yeah. I see it. Um, not just cuss words and stuff, but like just the vulnerability of my true story kind of shining through, I believe. Um, songs like, um, uh, I think it's called um, You're Nice to Me, um, where it's like talking about seeing a love of yours driving past you. and Or, you know, other themes like hearing about how you were, this person was out in the town. And it's hard to tell who I'm talking about, whether it be me or my ex, but um, there's so much of that vulnerability that shines through. So when you think about those artists who, for you, are those people who are able to speak for their own voice, those people when you listen to their writing and you feel like you're actually having a conversation with them, because I know exactly what you're talking about. Who are a couple of those artists for you? Those artists that when you like, when you listen to their music, when you listen to their, you read their lyrics, you feel like they're speaking directly to you. Elliot Smith, Nick Cave, Lou Barlow. I mean, I could go on for days. That's an interesting one because, you know, obviously Elliot and Nick come up a lot. Lou Barlow does not, however. So I like the fact that you mentioned him. It's funny. Are there, when you go back, like, can you think about being a kid and was there one song early on or one artist or album that kind of had that first feeling? You know what I'm talking about? You hear a record and you feel like the artist got in your head and you're like, wow, how'd they know I was thinking that? Oh man, it's it's tough to pin down one. Um, well, one or two then early ones. I, I can t- I can tell you a big turning point for me because I grew up in like such a, a a nice house with good music always playing. Um, I know that I was really proud when Black Crows came out, um, 
that I could show my dad something finally. Because uh, I grew up with like, you know, like good Southern rock stuff and like good Southern soul and blues. Um, I, I do remember that being a, a, a pivotal moment. I remember Rolling Stones, Tumbling Dice being a pivotal moment. I remember understanding Otis Redding and Neil Young for the first time when I finally got them being pivotal moments. I mean, again, I could give you, I mean, I could go all day with, um, but God, I, I have to say it had to be pavement when my brother gave me uh, pavement's first um, compilation of their singles, um, like their, their seven inch singles, uh, Westing by Musket and Chanting or something like that. Um, that's where I, I fell in love with indie rock and indie rock kind of paved my way, didn't it? No pun intended. Mm. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, dude. Also, I love the fact that you mentioned Black Crows because Chris, I've known for a million years and they're just one of those bands that, you know, I feel like they're kind of shortchanged because people always felt like they were derivative and it's like, dude, they've had a 30-year career. Dude, you can't fake what those boys got. Um, and not to mention, they're also Georgia kids, like my parents are, my siblings are. Uh, they're fucking champions. The Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship in college football, and the Atlanta Braves won the damn fucking World Series. So everyone's got to be happy right now. All right, so are you a big sports fan, too? I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of a problem, sure. All right, well, wait, you say it's a problem. Well, okay, but yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I mean, the Falcons were kind of shit this year. Oh, the Falcons are shit every year. No, dude, they were in the Super Bowl a few years ago. It hasn't been that long. Oh, how'd that go? Well, look how'd at it this go? way. Let's talk about this relative, dude. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, oh, the Falcons... Boy. Oh, and Matt Stafford is now actually winning uh, playoff games, by the way, which is crazy. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, and hopefully he wins one more because I'm, personally for me, man, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, so. Yeah, I'd, 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 put, I'd put my money on Matt Stafford if I were you, but I'm not a betting man. I already did. Oh, my man. There you go. Well, because being yeah. in LA and also, I just think that Rams <laughs> defensive line, I think that's the difference in the game. I sure hope so, man. I, I think we're, well, I'm a Georgia Bulldog person, even though I didn't enroll ever. Uh, or class like qualify to enroll. Um, Matt Stafford is a dog, and uh, I'm going for the Rams for sure. Oh wait, now this is interesting because I've actually talked about this with Big Boy, who's also an Atlanta dude. Oh and yeah, some and of the great sporting Oregon. events he's got to. If Band of Horses were going to get to play the national anthem at any sporting event, what would be the dream one? Jeez Louise, I, don't, I would shit myself, dude. Honestly, it's not my thing. Uh, if, if I'm being my real self here right now and not obliviating and being like a fucking dickhead, um, I would tell you, even like going to, I, I went and saw the Braves uh, two years ago and like got good seats and all this shit. They asked me to like lead the chop, which is like this fucking racist, like <laughs> dip Tomahawk shit. chop, yep. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Give me the cheap seats. Let me buy the seats. I do not want free seats or better seats so I can lead the chop. I ain't going to do that. And this story gets crazier. I'll tell you one day if you want to like turn it into a podcast because it is hilarious. All right. Can, well, can you give me the condensed version? Because now I'm just curious. Um, 
I had gone to Lenox Square Mall and I had gotten um, a new hat I saw on the rack. Um, but it had like um, Migos, um, The Culture, number one, that record on the, on the cap. I'm like, oh my God, that's the sickest fucking damn hat in the world. I'm wearing that um, at the damn Braves game. And this dude comes up. I'm watching batting practice while our crew and other band members are like, you know, using, enjoying the free drinks, enjoying the free food. Cause we had like special treatment shit, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to like buy the band and crew seats, like probably cheap ones just to say like, thanks so much for all these rehearsal days we were doing in Atlanta. Sorry. I'm trying to abbreviate. So then I'm the only one out there watching batting practice, watching BP. And uh, this dude taps me on his shoulder and is like, where'd you get that hat? So I'm guessing I was on the Jumbotron. And he saw my damn fucking hat with the Culture One um, logo on it. I'm like, I got it at Lenox Square Mall. It's not a problem. Uh, he's like, well, I'm Migos' manager. He's like, where'd you get that hat? I'm like, go talk to damn fucking lids at Lenox Square Mall. It's not about me. I got this dude off my damn back. Later, during the seventh inning stretch, who's leading the goddamn chop but Quavo from Migos himself? I'm like, oh my shit, that was actually a damn Migos manager. All right, that's amazing. So wait, so what happened with the hat? Do you still have it or did you have to give it back? Fuck yeah, I still got it. I still <laughs> got it, yeah. And ain't nobody taking that from me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and I didn't have to do that fucking damn beating on a damn drum bullshit or like waving a huge tomahawk. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting too. It's funny because obviously, you know, the Redskins changed their name to whatever the fuck it's going to be. But you still yes, have sir. the Braves and the Indians. It's it, it's interesting how no. you know. And we're going off on some big tangents here, but yeah. No, no, we have the Cleveland Guardians. They're not the, the Indians Guardians. anymore. No, they're they're, they're going to be called the Guardians. And and can I, if I may, pose it this to you? Um, I think that the the Braves should change their name to the Atlanta Hammers for hammering Hank Aaron. Because uh, then you still got the dang, you know, you still got the waving, you know, promo items, but they should be called the Atlanta Hammers. I love that, actually. Yes. Yeah, I like it a lot, too. I, I, think, it's, I think it's fitting for, I mean, one of the greatest players that's ever played the game, um, pre-steroid, era and all that the Atlanta Hammers also has a nice ring to it it does and not just one of the greatest players to ever play the game though but like one of the great sportsmen what a wonderful dude and he, yeah it's it sucks that he he recently died before we finally got another championship and it kind of stings in that way but I swear we all like we've all lived and died by these teams be it the Bulldogs or the Braves or the Hawks or the Falcons, we've all lived and died by it. Um, but the Braves are something special to not just us or from, you know, people from Atlanta or whatever, or their lineage being from Atlanta, but from the South because Ted Turner's, you know, TBS showing the games like, you know, um, in Chicago they did, uh, WGN did with the Cubs. Oh, dude, I grew up in the L.A., but my favorite player in the 80s and how I became a Braves fan was Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy. Absolutely. And don't forget Bob Horner. My dad taught me 
uh, about Bob Horner. Well, well, he's fat, but he's slow. <laughs> no, I, I love this. And it's funny because, you know, this came up when I was talking with someone yesterday. Oh, I just interviewed John Mellencamp, right? And we were talking about how the single biggest influence on him was not a musician, but it was actually John Huston, the film director. And I was talking with a friend about, dude, most musicians get so sick and tired of talking about, all right, who are your favorite songwriters? You know? Yeah. It, yeah. It's like, and all this stuff influences you so much in different ways. I'm curious now, because Perry Farrell, who's a friend, he and I talked about this once out growing up in okay. New York. You know, he was influenced by like Joe Namath and like Walt Frazier and Earl Monroe. But when we actually got into it, we figured out that in fact, a lot of his style with Jane's Addiction came from Walt Frazier and Earl Monroe and a lot of his swagger came from Joe Namath. So are there athletes that you can look at who've directly influenced you as a musician? Wow. What a question. I've never been asked this before. Good God. Um, well, because you think about how these guys are heroes when you're growing up. Yeah. I mean, shit. We've just talked about Matt Stafford. I mean, I've, I've, I've placed my hopes and dreams on the shoulders of folks like Heinz Ward. Um, of folks like DJ Shockley, um, of, of folks like Andrew Jones. I mean, my whole life, I played baseball and football as long as I could. So I got like kind of kicked out of school and stuff. Um, again, how much time do you got? Shit. <laughs> I got as much time all, as you got. It's all like, Georgia Bulldogs and Atlanta Braves folks, for me, honestly, it wasn't about Andre Risen and Deion Sanders, you know, exactly. It was more like the homegrown folks, David Green, man, fucking, oh my God. I mean, I could, I could list you a host of fellas that, is, that, um, that impacted my day, impacted my week, impacted my meetings with my daddy. Like when we go and hang out, the things that we talk about, we talk about, I mean, we do talk about the recruits that are coming up for UGA. We talk about what's coming up next for the Braves. Are we going to, hopefully the Hammers, are we going to re-sign Freddie Freeman? I mean, this shit impacts not just our day, but our week, maybe our month. Interesting. Well, let's tie this back in with the music because this is interesting to me. And I love this quote. You know, I read the, the bio written by the great Jan Uhelski, who I've known for many years. I love and there's her a point song. in there where she talks about, you know, how the songs have become anthems, mantras, and touchstones for fans. And you're like, I'm not sure about that. But it's funny. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I always talk about this with artists in this, in this sort of the standpoint of how, you know, their songs became you know, there's, they were influenced by other artists and then their songs had similar effects on people. But it's interesting to you then when you think about how athletes have impacted your day, as you say, and you've met with your father and you talk about this stuff, which every father-son does or many do. I mean, is it surreal then to think about the fact that there are parents and kids talking about your songs the same way that you talked about the Braves and the Georgia Bulldogs? It's incredibly surreal. And I, you don't want to believe the good news sometimes, honestly. I, and I'm kind of in that mode where I don't want to believe the good news because it's like, it feels like narcissism or something like that where you're like, shit, there might be 
folks that are celebrating whatever impact it be, not sports. I mean, yes, sports, but like everything, how people, how we've been able to carve a path to people's consciousness and to their ups and downs. I just, I couldn't feel more lucky, honestly. Well, it's interesting because what also happens today in social media is you actually get to interact with fans. So are there stories that you've heard from people that have particularly moved you? Or even now, again, now you've already done shows, right? So have there been responses to this new record that have pleasantly surprised you or where you've heard people talk about, you know, okay, we did this song, you know? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, You know, one thing about Band of Horses is we try to keep our sets different every night. So it kind of hopefully promotes uh, folks to travel with us at times. So they want to come to multiple shows because they're going to get different set lists and different songs. Um, I try to keep that in mind. I'm cognizant of that. Um, if I, if I had told you all the people that have like expressed their personal experiences with our music, I mean, I just can't believe it. If I think about it too much, it'll it'll make me like freak out, honestly. No, I, I totally get that. It's interesting. Then uh, you'll appreciate it. I remember interviewing Don Henley once and, you know, we were talking about the fact, I asked him about being a kid from Texas who had two of the top three selling albums of all time. And he's like, I don't ever think about that. He's like, if you do, it absolutely will destroy your head. Yeah, I don't think that we, sh- we I mean, it's so, it's so sick though. I mean, it's, it's amazing that we get to do this. And I, I can't believe that I, I really gotta tell you, I think we have a really good album that reflects hmm, maybe the best of our abilities. Um oh I'm crying. Whew. Um I think it shows the best of our capability, at least. Um and tells good stories that are universal enough for everyone. I really hope so. You know, it's interesting. We'll wrap up in a couple of minutes because I know, you know, we started a few minutes late. You know, I think one song, you talked about the vulnerability. I love the fact that you just say in Tragedy of the Commons, which is one of the songs that really jumped out at me as a writer. The fact yeah. that you just say, babe, I'm dog tired. Can I cancel it all? When you talk about the universality, I think that is something that, dude, you could find 95% of people who have felt that way in the last two years. Oh my God, right? And I tell you what, that's thank you so much for for hearing that correctly. My friend that's with me actually heard it cor- incorrectly and thought it said something different. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? No, it's I'm dog tired. Um, and I thought that was kind of sick for dogs too. For go go dogs. Um, I remember thinking that maybe that was good damn luck. But um, yes. I do think there are some elements of this record that sync up with where we are, um, at least in America, but possibly worldwide. Um, well, feeling maxed out, you know, just feeling fucking damn tired. And it's like, can I just not do this one thing? And I think that's what I was getting at. <sighs> so it's interesting. All right. Well, you say you like to change up the set list. We'll make these last two questions. But for you, when you did the shows in December, 
I don't know how much of the new album you did live. Are there songs you haven't done yet from the album that you're really excited to see how they translate to the stage? Yeah. Um, I think we've probably done three or four only. So uh, pretty soon, I, I hope, fingers crossed, we'll get to um, be doing some stuff next month, including some TV and promo kind of stuff like that. Um, as long as people can just keep their damn fucking cool and be nice to one another and not try to infect one another. That's not very eloquent. Um, yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is an interesting one too. I mean, it's funny again, you know, I lied. We'll make these last two questions, but it, uh, you know, I really like as well the lyrics to Warning Sign. I mentioned things are uh, tragedy of common grounds. Are there songs for you because look, I talk about this all the time with writers. You go back, I mentioned the surprise element, but are there particular lyrics on here that surprised you? Because again, dude, like you talk about therapy, you talk about like, it's a, like you say, it's a very vulnerable record. Yeah. Yeah, there are, it's funny, I haven't listened to it in a while, but today I felt like I was taking a victory lap almost. I'm like, cause it's like new song day. Um, our song Lights just came out today. The third one we've, you know, given to the public or whatever god it sounds fucking egotistical um but i'm just so glad when a song finally like gets off my damn back um but yeah there's there's lyrics i took a, a victory lap and listened to the album today and um there's certain things that really again the vulnerability like pops out like i like saying out loud like i've had a heart I've had a hell of a hard time. That gets me pretty good today where I was just like, shit, man, don't mask it with metaphor. Just say what has happened. And I've had a hell of a hard time. All right, well, let's wrap up on, on this note. I mean, is, when you go back and listen to the record as a whole, you mentioned it, yeah. you feel like it's a really great record that shows the band to the best of their ability. I hope so. What do you take from the record when you listen to it as a whole work? Because like you say, too, I mean, most artists, of course, don't go back and ever listen to their own music. So yeah. it's unusual when you have to go back and hear it, you know? It's, it certainly is. And it's a bit unnerving. And, you know, it, you can't help but be critical. But there's certain times where I feel like you can give into it and listen. You know, when I give it to like my brother and my dad or my sister, or like a good friend, I try to listen to it through their ears, you know? And I'm probably making it thinking through their ears, you know? We all like, we all inform each other with our tastes and our, the things that we love. And um, I can't help but, um, but do that when I listen back, when I listened back today. Um, to think of it through another person's ears. And um, I think the thing that endures is the fact that we took charge uh, ourselves, myself, whatever, to steer our own ship and make sure that no one else was co-opting it um, and make a piece of art that is truly us that really displays who the fuck we are. And I, I stand by it. Cool. That does feel like a good wrap up note. Anything you want to add? I didn't ask you about. 
no, God damn, you got me good. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no. Dude, I, I apologize again for being late, but this but was a blast. Thank you. No, no, I want to say thank you. If I have to add anything, thanks for caring. Thanks for taking the time to want to talk to me. No, dude, it's a great record. And, you know, also I can sit and geek out on sports all day long. Well, if you need me for another article, you know where to find me. All right, sounds good, dude. Congratulations again on the record. Thanks so much, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest Ben Bridwell from Band of Horses. Thanks. When it comes to LASIK, Dr. Boutros and the Eye Center have led the way for the past 25 years. Today, this tradition continues by being one of the few practices in the country to offer you iDesign 2.0, using the same technology as the NASA James Webb Telescope. And in the hands of an elite surgeon like Dr. Boutros, more patients are seeing 2020 or better after LASIK. Right now, enjoy 20% off iLASIK with iDesign. Go to theeyecenter.com or call 888-844-2020. Some restrictions apply. If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.